ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engines running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. All right. Welcome to the Launchpad Podcast. I'm Aaron. I am Matt. And Matt. Continuing our mini-sode series, what have you been watching? I've actually been watching a couple things. I watched so many horror movies in October that we didn't even get to talk about. One that I watched, and it's one of those ones that when I first saw it, I was like, meh. Then I watched it again. I was like, that was pretty cool. I watched it, you know, I've watched it a couple more times. Every time I watch it, I like it more. Is 28 Weeks Later, the sequel to 28 Days Later. I'm assuming you've seen it, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Great one. I actually like it better than the original. I would almost agree with that. I don't, the original sets up so much that wouldn't be possible. I mean, the, the sequel wouldn't be possible without the original, but it really, I think, does a great job of changing the zombie movie because it's not the same movie we've seen a hundred times. Yep. For those of you who haven't seen it but are familiar with the concept, 28 Days Later is about a zombie-like outbreak that they call the rage, and it just turns you into a mindless, destroying being. You don't Fast have superpowers. Yeah. yeah, you don't... You can be killed anyway. You don't have to be shot in the brain, right? You could be shot in the chest and you'll die as a, as a zombie in this because you're not really a zombie. You're just infected and you're infected with this rage thing that just makes you want to kill. And puke if you, on everything. Yeah, you spit up this blood bullshit and if your blood contam- or spit or whatever contaminates someone else, they'll turn into a, you know, a rage zombie too. Um, the first one's really good. We follow a couple characters trying to survive the outbreak. They make friends. Those friends get killed. They make more friends. Those friends get killed. And at the end, they find an, an army outpost that they try to find refuge in. But then that army turns out to be not the greatest army as far as morals. Now, and here's here's my thing, <laughs> and I, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but my my one of my biggest issues, and my friend Andy Curtis and his wife Mel, some of our best friends, they always bring this up, and it's so true. The army guys turn out to be like rapists. Correct. It's been 28 days, guys. 28 <laughs> days later. And you're already devolving into like post-apocalypse rape cult. Like, come on. <laughs> I I guess if you have guns and you could make a, especially now with the with all the stuff that's going on in the world, you could probably really make a uh, a good case for how that's a plausible. Yeah. Stuff, oh, that's so same, sad. Right. We, we that used to be a ridiculous thing that within 28 days they were all turned into rape hulks, but um. Yeah, maybe I guess that is more realistic than I suspected. Sorry, it's, world. For me, and this is what have you been watching from years ago? I don't remember. La- I probably last year, maybe the year before, watched. Yeah, I don't watch that movie a lot. later, but yeah, it, it's really, really good. But for me, it's one of yep. those movies that it's really, really good, and it's about this zombie outbreak, and we're following these people, and then it turns into rape army, and it's like, well, but the movie was about surviving these zombies, and I like what it does, but. The whole third act of 28 Days Later becomes How to Survive the Rape Army, which is like not my cup of tea. 28 Weeks Later, obviously, is about 28 weeks after this happens. And it there's a scene at the beginning where <clears throat> the guy from the Full Monty is in a, a house trying to, like, you know, trying to be safe with a couple other random people who are survivors together, including his wife. They don't know where their kids are. And the house gets overtaken by zombies and it's a really suspenseful well scene. I think scene. it's very, very well done. It's very hectic, very chaotic. He tries to escape and his wife gets grabbed by zombies or, uh, you know, separated. And he has the option to try to go back and save her or save his own ass and get out of there. And that's what he does. And he leaves her to be devoured by the zombies and he escapes. Then it gives you a couple really cool things about like 28 days later, that happens. 40 days later, this happens. 
so many weeks later, this happens. And at 28, week, 28 weeks later, they're starting to try to rebuild the infrastructure. They've, they've, con- they've contained most of the infections and are starting to rebuild. So a lot of England is still under you know, quarantine, but there's safe spots. So we meet his kids. His kids have survived. They're reunited with him. He tells them this whole long story that's really about how he tried to save the mom and the mom died heroically. But while that's happening, it's cutting back to his memories of what actually happened. So we know he's full of shit. He knows he's full of shit, but the kids believe him. Yeah. The kids eventually get out of the quarantines or get into the quarantine zone to go back to their house because they want to find memoirs of the mom. And the mom is at the house. She looks infected and she rushes for one of the kids. And you're like, oh, shit. She hugs him and kisses him. And come to find out, they catch the kids, they catch the mom, bring her back. Come to find out, she is immune, but she's a carrier. So she's technically infected, but without any of the symptoms. So it's in her blood. And uh, the chick from Bridesmaids is a doctor, Rose Byrne. Rose Byrne? Rose Byrne? She plays the, 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 pretty much the female lead. She is a doctor. She sees the potential that we might be able to, to get a cure from this woman. The woman ends up infecting on purpose, infecting the husband. The husband starts running rampant in this facility, infecting people, infecting people, and starts a zombie outbreak. Meanwhile, Jeremy Rayner, who plays this kind of moral sniper, there's this great scene where now there's a bunch of infected people chasing a bunch of regular people through a huge courtyard between buildings, and there's a lot of snipers up on top, and they're trying to shoot the infected people as they're attacking the non-infected and it's a really dramatic scene because you see it from ground level and from up top and they're just plugging people and sometimes they're hitting infected and sometimes they're hitting non-infected people and then they get the free fire order and they're just supposed to cut everybody down in the courtyard and all the other army guys immediately just start shooting everybody jeremy rayner has his reservations but then does just start killing random people but then he you can see he's like no that's wrong i'm gonna try to help these people he ends up hooking up with the kids and the doctor, and then they have to escape. It's got some really great sequences, including a um, oh, they're in a dark subway station, and the only thing that you can see is Rose has a sniper rifle with a night vision scope. So she's trying to guide the kids. She's like, okay, walk, walk. Wait, stop, stop, stop. There's something in front of you. Move over. And it's a really good uh, I really remember that scene. Moment. I good. remember the courtyard scene. I, rem- I mean, I remember the, the big set pieces from this, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it since... Probably we watched it together back at the launch pad. It's for the original launch pad. It's it's yeah. a fun movie and it does it's not reinventing the genre by any means, but it's doing a really good job of well, you haven't seen that in a zombie movie before. You haven't seen yeah. that in a zombie movie before. Really, good. really good. Good some and kids usually fuck up a movie, but the kids in this movie are decent. They're not terrible, but they're not great. They're not you know, you know not great, but they're it's fun. It's a good time. They don't hack anything, so it's all good. That's true. There are no computers. It's definitely, it's worth the watch, and it's, it's really enjoyable, and I love that, that uh, creepy theme that they have. Yeah. Well, and the first movie was the original, like the first feature shot on mini-DV, and then the sequel oh, that's is, right. is shot on digital, but it's, technology came a long way. It really, really does a good job, and it's, it was right at that sweet spot of, we're trying to keep this in as many practical effects as we can, but we'll do some digital stuff. Like there's a sweet thing where a helicopter piloted by Jeremy Rayner's friend goes to pick him and a couple people up, but he has too many people. And that guy's like, no, I'm not taking these people. So as that happens, he starts to fly away. All these zombies are coming for his friend. So 
the helicopter pilot is like, I can't save them, but I'll try to help them. So he hovers the helicopter at like a 45 degree angle and just chops up a shitload of zombies with the rotor, which a little unbelievable, but a cool as hell scene. And a lot of that was actually done practically. It's a lot of digital stuff interspersed with, you know, live dummies exploding. Really, really cool. High marks across. Now, when you keep saying Jeremy Rayner, is that Hawkeye? Yeah. I think it's pronounced Renner. What's he going to do? Shoot me from a building? Jeremy Rayner. <laughs> <laughs> he loves to play snipers, doesn't he? He's either a Snipey McSniper or a Disarmer Babomber. <laughs> <laughs> he does a good job. And I, I think, you know, I don't know if it was written this way or directed this way or what, but he does a great job. He's not a show stealer. You know, like no. he's not a huge presence he, he in the rarely movie. is no but like <laughs> there are some times where you have a show stealer in a supporting role and it's distracting or vice versa you have a a show a non-show stealer in a in a in a main role and you're yeah. like why are you basing the movie around this person yeah. i think this is probably one of the best acted movies he's in because he it's the perfect jeremy rayner reiner Runer, whatever his name is we'll call him j row it's the perfect j row <laughs> How about we call him J. Ren? What about J. Ren? Are we okay with that, too? It's J. Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just call him Jeremy. I feel like we're on a first-name basis with him by this point. I call him Jer Bear. (laughs) It's Jer Beer. (laughs) (laughs) How about just J.R.? (laughs) Just call him that guy that no one likes in Avengers. (laughs) Sorry, J. Sorry, J. Rowe. I know you're listening to the show. <laughs> Would that be awesome if Jeremy Rayner Reiner wrote on our Twitter page? It's pronounced. I and I hope he just wrote the words. It's pronounced Jeremy Rayner, and he just typed his name in. But there's it was not phonetical or anything. It was just what his name was. <laughs> it's R E N N E R guys, and we're like, help us, Hawkeye. I need you to pinpoint this for us. Jeremy Reiner Reiner, if you write us, we will do an entire episode about you, focusing mainly on your name. Yep. (laughs) 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 What have you been watching, Rooms? Okay, I saw a bitchin' film on Netflix called The Night Comes For Us, and this is one of the bloodiest films I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. Like, holy shit. And it's an Indonesian action film. Uh, It has... The, the main actor from The Raid in it, Iko Uwais. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. Sorry, dude. Sorry, Rainer. Sorry, Renner. Sorry, right Iko. Right now, Jer- Jeremy is, t- is texting Iko Gunais, and he's like, these fucking guys. <laughs> yeah, I-K-O-U-W-A-I-S. He was in The Raid and The Raid 2, and he's in this movie. Freaking awesome. But it's a martial arts film, and like I said, it is one of the bloodiest things I've ever seen. They're all fighting with, like, machetes and hatchets. There's a fight in, like, a a butcher shop. It's all this, like, gang triad shit. I don't even know if I can explain the plot because I didn't care. But the fight scenes were so fucking cool. But it's, like, this big triad assassin who's sent to massacre people. Like, if they need an entire village slaughtered to send a message, they send this guy. And there's, like, apparently, like, six of these guys. And he's one of them. And he is sent to slaughter a village, and he sees this girl. He's killed everybody. The girl's the last one, like a little girl. And he's like, no, I'm not going to kill her. I'm going to save her and hopefully save myself. And basically goes on this revenge war path. And it's just fight scene after fight scene of bananas 
just insane kills, man. This There's a scene in an apartment that I sent you a clip of, of these guys trying to kick in the door, and they all have machetes, and they're just hacking at each other's arms, and the arms are falling off on the floor, and they fight in the apartment, and they go down, they fight in the parking garage. One guy, there's a huge fight in a police, like, like I don't know, whatever, they, a paddy wagon, I guess we would call it here. I don't know what they call it there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sorry, Patty. Now Paddy Wagon is texting your 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 raid guy as well as Jeremy Rayner, be like, "Oh my God, these guys do no research. <laughs> they know no research. They don't know how to pronounce anything." But yeah, he's in like a a a, a police people mover. It's a you know a van, and yeah. there's like a bunch of cops in the back holding this guy in in chains, and he kicks their asses. It's a whole fight scene in there. Fucking awesome fights on stairwells, fights in beer halls, fight like just fights, fights, fights everywhere, and they are savagely brutal there's this big fight scene where one guy, they're fighting with box cutters and the other guy's fighting with like a little piece of wood with a nail sticking out of it and they're just stabbing each other stabbing each other guy gets stabbed in the mouth like the box cutter goes in his mouth and out his cheek and he's fighting this guy with it and he bites the box cutter off spits out the broken pieces and pulls the razor blade out of his mouth damn just like insane fucked up shit He's a fight with a meat hook. He's fighting dudes with a meat hook where he gets the guy in the face with the meat hook and he's swinging him around while all the other bad guys are hacking at both of them with machetes. So the dude with the meat hook in his face is just getting hacked to pieces with machetes while this other dude is kicking everyone's ass with one hand has a dude on, with, with whose face is on a meat hook and the other hand he's fighting them with like another machete. Oh, no. He's fighting them with a bag of pool balls that he's ripped off of a pool table. Like... It's fucking ridiculous, dude. Is there this plot or is, is there a plot or is it just one awesome yes, fight save, scene after save, another? Save the little girl and redeem yourself. Save the cheerleader, save the world. Yeah, but again, like there's some other plots where it's like, oh, you're my brother. Oh, the triad's trying to use you. Oh, they lied to you. I don't. I didn't pay attention to any of that shit. It was like, okay, talky talky. Oh shit! Oh shit! Oh my god! They're still fighting. Oh my god! There's one scene where these two chicks are fighting. One chick has like a, a razor wire that she can pull out of her glove and like strangle people with. And like swinging that around a room, fighting with razor wire, fighting with machetes, fighting with swords. Like, it's fucking insane. There's two chicks fighting with knives and fight, 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 fight. And then the boom, push off and like stare at each other all mean-like. And, you know, you give the, the cold stare down. And one chick looks at her pinky and it's all cut. And she just rips it off and flicks it to the floor. Ugh. Yeah, real gross. Oh, my God. The bloodiest film I have seen in a long time. Like, Kill Bill level... Gore. Now you compared it to the raid, and I loved the first raid. I thought that was great. I thought it was brutal. I thought it was. I thought it was a really enjoyable film. Yeah. The raid two was so brutal that it actually degraded my like for it. I was like, wow, this is just so hard hittingly brutal that it's making me slightly uncomfortable because I'm like, I a, can't hear you right man. now, Rumi. You just completely like. I don't comprehend the words you're saying. Oh, I got nervous. I got nervous that the something <laughs> wrong with the microphone. I started checking my nope, level. No, nope, I just can't prehend too too awesome is what you're saying no, to me. No, that movie I'm got saying too it awesome? just got so hardcore that I was like, oh damn, like it looks like you're really hurting people. And I had to suspend my disbelief harder because it was like, ow, it's hard to watch that. And I was like, you're just breaking that person's face for real. Possibly. I got nervous. <laughs> Maybe. You know, Raid 1 is, I think, one of the best action films ever made. Raid 2 upped the ante with its fight scenes, but the plot was so much less engaging. Like, the first Raid is so perfect because it's like, bad guy on top, fight up, grab bad guy, fight down, the end. Like, 
That's it. It's so simple and so perfect. The second one was like, Game of Thrones Mafia problems. And I was like, I don't care about any of that shit. Just keep fighting. And this movie definitely had parts that were like, you know, again, the plot was just kind of convoluted and stupid, but the fight scenes were, holy shit, you might not like it. It, it. it was, like I said, one of the most brutal things I've seen in a long time, but. I'll give it, I mean, based on that, I would at least give it a shot because it looks like it was a lot of fun for sure. I, I texted man. I was like, this is such a high fiveable movie and I have nobody here to high five with <laughs> yeah, me. It was kind of sad. It bummed me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Like, it is kind of Because I imagined you sitting on your couch with your left hand literally up in the air looking side to side sadly <laughs> we're both we're both doing it right now he just <laughs> yeah. high-fived a dog stuffed animal that he has yep. which i'm not even going to question why that's there <laughs> it's my fake roofie <laughs> but yeah there was uh some definitely some high fives left hanging after watching that movie but i highly recommend it if you like hardcore horror movies and action to change gears i mean probably i would say 180 degrees because that is the mathematical degree of opposite but it's even more than that on a a deeper level (laughs) and don't judge me when i say this listen to where i'm going have you ever seen any of the twilight movies instant judgment i see it on your face (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'm just gobsmacked and speechless no i've never seen any of them give them a watch it's really it's a deeper it really you can feel their connection and it gets like it's way no they're fucking they're terrible um we had a, a huge random <laughs> <laughs> we had a huge random turnout for shitty movie last week and yeah. a lot of people were like let's do a twilight and there was a lot of dubious people that were like really and it, you know for those of you who don't know I mean they'd shit- be good for shitty movie right well that was the thing a shitty movie is done by a vote and that won the vote not by a landslide but it won and it was great for shitty movie great for yeah, they're movie. terrible, right? Yes, we watched the. I mean, they're I nothing like the, the books, which are really one? masterpieces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rumi, we agreed when we started this podcast that we would not push our Mormon love story book agendas. <laughs> aren't they? Wait, aren't they? Weren't they fan, like Harry Potter fan fiction, and then they got turned into vampire? I don't know about that. I know that I think Fifty Shades of Grey was Twilight fan fiction that got turned into Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that got turned into BDS. Yeah, whatever. It's all bullshit. Stupid, stupid shit. Anyway, how was the movie? Terrible. It was terrible. I mean, it was, it would probably be the type of thing that if I watched it by myself, I would have to turn off. And that's only happened 10 times in my life, maybe. Yeah. But they're like with a group of people. It was definitely fun, and it was it was an all star night of shitty movie. I had some of the best shitty movie people were there. My friend Map was there, Lauren and Nick were there, uh, Krista was there, Ziggy was there. It really was, and I'm sorry if I forgot if I if you were there and I didn't name your name, but it was a really really fun shitty movie, and we destroyed that movie. And sounds awesome. Talk about a movie that leans in to get made fun of. It just could like it was almost like a director was like, wait a minute. There's a group of really cool, funny people who watch it and make fun of it. I'm going to give them their money's worth and really tried, you know, to make it terrible because there were some things that you were like, why would you have done it that way? Why would you have acted it that way? Why would you have directed it that way? Even why would you have shot it that way unless you purposely were trying to give me fodder to make fun of, you know? Dude, uh, so like, I, I mean, I've never watched one of the movies, but I've, you know, seen enough making fun of it. Every time Kristen Stewart looks up 
at the Jacob character. It looks like literally they were like, all right, get ready to roll. And she said, hold on, hold on. Like puked off screen. And then they said, rolling action. And then she looks up at him like she just threw up. Like that sort of like defeated tiredness after you've puked your guts out. <laughs> that sounds good. We were talking about how confused she looks because she does look super confused the she's whole like, time. She's like, wait, what's my line? And also super bored. Like it looks Ugh. like she wants to be anywhere else than in front of that camera at any given moment. You know, like millennials. Oh, zing, zing, <laughs> zing, zing, zing. It, Damn, I wish I could have been there, man. That sounds like fun. It was a good, it was definitely a good one. So, you know, for those of you guys who are looking, you know, if you like shitty movies like I do and you ever have some friends over with a couple drinks, um, you might need a couple extra drinks for this one, but certainly not to make well, it funny because it is just ridiculous. And it was a, it was a fun, fun time. And then that being said, Amanda and I just went to uh, grab some snacks or some coffee this morning. Yeah. And because my wife is my wife, she I somehow spilled makeup all over the place and it was glitter makeup. And in cleaning it, she somehow got it all over her face. And I was like, babe, you look like a fucking Twilight vampire. Um, <laughs> it was amazing. It was, <laughs> and uh, so, she leaned into that and then she threw up. <laughs> <laughs> to, to piggyback off of that, I worked on one of the ass shit parody movies of the Twilight franchise. Um, it was called Breaking Wind or something Did like that. Did you say ash shit? Ash shitty parody okay. movies. Okay. Um. So they they made like a parody movie. You know how they made like not another teen movie, and they made right, like right. superhero movie and like disaster movie. Well, four of the five producers of the writers that got fired off of those movies made a parody <laughs> movie called Breaking Wind, which was a Twilight parody movie, and I did the effects for that. And I have not been able to watch that entire film because it is. I don't think you could shitty movie that movie because it already shits on itself enough. Yeah. That, like, you making fun of it is almost a low blow. Like, terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. But, yeah, that that movie exists, and uh, I worked on it. My name's in the credits somewhere, so... Bleh. Nice job, Rumi. <laughs> Every now and then, I find that movie at, like, Goodwill, and I'm always like, somebody gave this movie away. Like, they didn't want to... Somebody right. bought this movie and had to give it away. They were like, like I'll take the loss. I'll take the $15 yeah. DVD loss. Yeah, exactly. Somebody bought that movie. Ugh. You also said occasionally you'll find it, which means it happens more than once. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I found that movie, like, they produced way too many DVDs. The number they should have produced was zero, but they produced enough that I find it in, like, Walmart, like, $5 bin. No, I find it for, like, the five for $5 bins. Like, that's the DVD you find at the checkout line at the dollar store. Like, that kind of shit. Right, right, right. <laughs> Just, oh. I used to love when you go to... um when you go to like a video store when those were still a thing and they were having a sale on used DVDs or, or used even VHSs and yeah. you'd look through the bin and there'd be like seven or eight copies of the same movie and you're like, wow. <laughs> you imagine like how those people associated with that feel like this is in the dollar bin of like multiple copies. You're like, I did not do a good job. And 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 these these dollar stores that I go to in the Walmart, they're in Hollywood, so there is a chance that the director of this right, movie right. sees his movie there all the time. And uh, I wonder how that feels. Because <laughs> I know how I feel just having my name in the credits about it. Just, right. just kind of a sour embarrassment. I can't imagine if I was like the writer or the producer or the director of it. And sorry, guys, I know you're listening, but fuck, those suck. <laughs> Yeah, far be it from us to shit on someone else's stuff, but 
Well, guys, let us know what you've been watching. Let me know if you uh, watched Breaking Wind or the Twilight series and actually enjoy it. We might have some Twilight fans. I don't know. Vampires are kind of in our wheelhouse, but uh, big big fart thumbs down for that. Yeah, I don't know if sparkly <laughs> vampires in our wheelhouse, but I mean, are we wrong? Tell us. Tell us. Yeah, let us know. Um, Jeremy Renner, please tell us how to say your name <laughs> properly. I hope Jeremy Rayner is listening. But he's like, like he, it's not registering that we're talking about him because we keep saying his name wrong. Yeah. He's like, man, if I was that guy, I would be really upset. <laughs> Let us know if you saw The Night Comes For Us. Was it too brutal? Not brutal enough? What'd you think of them fight scenes? Hit us up on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Launchpad Pod. And on Mondays, check out the official comic book of the Launchpad Podcast, Destroyer. Destroy your Mondays on our website, launchpadpod.com. Till next time, Rumi, who are we? We are the Rocketeers, and we are not in. We're out. <laughs> nice setup, dude. Slam dunk. <laughs>